Hello and welcome to another episode of Balls and Whistles Highland News and Media Sport Podcast with yours truly, Andrew Henderson. And as always, of course, I'm joined by sports editor Will Clark. Well, it's been another busy week. How are you doing? I'm very well, Hendo. And what a week for sport, eh? Yeah, there's been a couple of big results, both good and bad for the Highland clubs. Uh, and some announcements about things starting to come back as well a little bit in the future. But let's start with Cali Thistle. I mean, last week we were talking about whether they're in a relegation battle, whether they should still be looking for the playoffs. The result on Tuesday night didn't exactly go a long way to reassuring me, I have to say. What do you think? Are, are they really in a proper relegation fight now? I think the players have said it themselves now. Um, we interviewed a few of the players this week. Wallace Duffy, Scott Allardyce and uh, Brian Mackay. They're not hiding away from the fact um, this situation is pretty dire at the moment. Yeah, they are in a relegation battle as far as I'm concerned, but I think they're saying it themselves as well, especially Scott Allardyce. He did not hold back, did he? No, he was um, absolutely furious. Said there's no point deluding themselves. It is a relegation battle. They can forget about promotion. It was really passionate stuff. Yeah, you talked, I think it was last week on Balls and Whistles about a conversation you had with Carl Tremarco a couple of years ago. It, it had echoes of that, didn't it? It was so passionate about, we have to get real here, basically. Yeah, I remember standing in a hall at Dunfermline Athletic after they lost 1-0. And uh, Carl came through and he realised the situations. They were only six points above Dumbarton, who were in the relegation playoff zone. And the message, it was basically a war cry he gave out. We need to look below us. He knew that if things didn't improve, relegation could be a possibility. And then they had 11 games left and they went undefeated for the rest of the season. Won eight and were only two points away from them um, actually achieving a playoff place. But it's a, it's a bit of a different situation this time in the fact that Cali Fissile are in the relegation playoff zone. And two, three years ago, they had the luxury of Brecon City, who I think only managed four points, was it? Yeah, I don't think they won a game all season, did they? It was definitely a single figures they ended up at the, the end of the season. So automatic relegation wasn't an issue at that time. But Allo Athletic, they're not breaking city. They might be bottom of the table, but they play good football and they're capable of getting good results as well. I was at the game on Saturday at Aloha. And really worryingly, there were times where Alawa just managed to carve Cali Thistle's defence apart. And it wasn't so much the fact that the danger came from the wing. They managed to go straight through the middle. You know, it was like they just ran at them and space opened up. You kind of usually expect a bit of a challenge. You have to bring in high balls from the wing, you know. But they didn't need to do that. And it was only for Mark Ridgers that, in my opinion, they managed to leave Alawa with a point. I don't know what it was, but the centre-back pairing of Robbie Dees and Danny Devine, it just didn't work that weekend. I don't know if it's, they still need time to gel together, better communication, but Alawa had too many chances. And if it wasn't for Mark Bridgers maybe recognising the problem at centre-back and coming off his line quickly to block shots, it could have been defeat at Recreation Park. It could be a worse situation there if it wasn't for Mark Bridgers. I don't know what you were at a game on Tuesday night with Morton. Tell me what that was like. Well, I, I think it was worse, if anything. That, that's that's maybe the bad thing. It's not that they were conceding chances all the time, but they were not creating a single thing. It, it was slightly different in that Robbie Dees was at left-back, filling in for Carmen Harper, who missed the game through injury. 
Um, so you had Brad Mackay and Danny Devine in the centre. But Cali Thistle just controlled the game. They had far more of the ball. Most of the game seemed to be played in the Morton half and they created nothing and then conceded to, it must have been one of the only shots Morton had in the match. They just can't seem to get a good result right now. And that is so worrying when it's not even like you can say they're playing really well and you think they're going to score, it just doesn't happen. It didn't look like they were going to make a breakthrough at all on Tuesday night. And I'm saying that, they had a goal disallowed, they had the woodwork twice, and even when all those happened, I still didn't think they were going to score. <laughs> it's, it's just not a good situation at all. No, and Morton, they're not the, the best of teams either. I think we both agree on that. Yeah, and It's worrying when you're not beating the teams that uh, are in the bottom half of the table. To be fair, in the last few weeks, the bottom half of the table have done quite well against the top half of the table. But for Cali Fissel, it's beating those teams around them at the bottom because they're in the relegation playoff zone. It's a 27-game season. There's only nine games left. I said it was a worry. And maybe the players with the games in hand, they kind of dismissed the fact. Maybe, maybe that's the wrong word, but maybe they were not as worried as they maybe should have been. Maybe a bit complacent. Yeah. The dialogue that's come from the players that we've interviewed this week, they're worried about it now. Well, one of those players we talked to who was talking about that exact situation with the games in hand was Brad Mackay doing press yesterday. Here is what he had to say. We're always looking up. You can always, you always have to look over your shoulder. But I don't think we, we ever thought we'd be in a position where, you know, truly we, we have to look below us. You know, the games in hand are now gone, effectively, so... It's now a case of, you know, reality's hit now. It's not a relegation battle, but it's a, it's now a fight to get back in a decent position in the league where, you know, we can we can no longer look behind us. But I, I don't know if that's a case for us anymore. Um, it's been a mad season. It's been a mad league for everybody. A couple of results where you can, you know, propel you up the league. But a couple of bad results can put you in a terrible position. And unfortunately for us right now, we're in a terrible position. If anybody thinks that we don't care, anybody thinks that it's... Um, Okay, so we're just tossing it off. It's absolute nonsense. You know, we sit there, we've had follow-ups after the games and we've we've demanded from each other asking what why is this happening? And you know, I've been here before in, in my career where you can feel that people have tossed it off. It's it's never it's never been the case at this club for me. I think we've been guilty of obviously, you know, tallying points up that we've not got. So, you know, you've got games in hand and you think, Oh, we'll beat them, we'll beat them, or better than them, we'll beat them and you know, he didn't get in for free in these leagues or any leagues. You know, you don't just get handed points, so you need to go out and beat these teams. Points have slipped away from us, and the next thing, you've got one more game left to play before you're caught with all your games and you're sitting second bottom of the league. So, uh, make no mistake about it, we're in, we're in a bit of bother at the minute. And the sooner we start rallying, the better, because, you know, you've seen it all before. People say, oh, they're too good to get relegated, they're too this, you know, the squad's too good for this team and that team, but... You know, it's, sometimes it's not about the squad, sometimes it's about the run that you're on. And if it's no good coming into the season or coming the important part of the season, then it's, it's trouble time. But as I say, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be fearing teams like Wraith Rovers. We shouldn't be fearing anybody in this league. You know, we all, we've always believed that we should have been in the playoffs. We are where we are right now, and there's no excuse for that. But um, we shouldn't be fearing anybody in this league. And we'll go out and try and get three points, of course. It, it just shows the difference in dialogue, maybe compared to last week and this week now. Of course, players are always going to be confident that they can turn things around and with games in hand. And to be fair, the league's been so tight. The top four has always been within reach and catchable now. And I think there's just been a real disappointment that they've not been able to make those games count because they're pretty much up now. 
Wraith Rovers actually have a game in hand on Cali Thistle. Yeah, it's not just them. Wraith, Dunfermline, Dundee all have a game in hand on Cali Thistle. They were all winnable games for Cali Thistle. Well, to be fair, Alloa has always been a bogey team in the league for Cali Thistle. So maybe, <laughs> maybe we were always being a bit more optimistic that they could get three points down there. Um, but it, it was definitely well within them being able to do that. Um, I've seen Morton this season. They weren't up to much. Not a shock, but maybe a surprise defeat. You know, they beat the Air United who are down there as well, but it, it's a relegation battle now. And the players this week, compared to last week, seem to be facing up to the fact now. The whole attitude is, forget the promotion playoffs. I'm quoting Scott Allardyce verbatim. He's said that himself. To quote Carl Tremarco in 2018, they need to look <laughs> below them now. Because Aloha, they're not a bad team. They've been here before. They know how to get out of relegation scraps. This is kind of a, a new thing for Cali Fissel. Yeah, it's a worry. And now the players are worried. Yeah, I think the main issue for them right now is time. They've got nine games left. They are still right now only seven points off the playoffs. With all those games in hand with the other team, you'd expect that to go up a couple. And once you start getting to the point that you have to make up more points than there are games left, that's such a major challenge. We're getting to the point they might have to just say the playoffs are gone and that's it. And, you know, even a couple of weeks ago, like you say, that didn't look likely. But with all these games in hand, playing twice a week, it's great if you win them and you get a bit of momentum going. But the momentum's gone the totally wrong direction for them. And now you don't really know where the next win's going to come from. It's, it's what, 1 in 12 now? That's relegation form. Yeah. I think, was it Scott Allardyce that said that as well? I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Wallace Duffy said it too in your interview with him. Yeah, it's a relegation battle now. And as Brad Mackay said, they shouldn't be thinking that they're too good to go down. I said it last week, bigger clubs than the Cali Thistle have been relegated in recent years. Falkirk, Park Thistle. Falkirk are top. But you, Park Thistle, they're mid-table, aren't they? Partick are fifth. Still a full-time team in a division that's predominantly part-time teams and they're fifth. That just shows you how tough that division is to get out of. There's an argument Falkirk maybe could have got out of League One last season if this season didn't finish early. Awful Rafe Rovers were a very good team. They're in pole position for the top playoff spot, but you don't want to get relegated to League One. But the ramifications for Cali Fissel as a football club, if they do get relegated to League One, will they be able to stay as a full-time club? That's the reality. That's the reality of relegation. You know, tie that in with a, a pandemic. Relegation to League One, there'll have to be big changes. Players will leave. They won't get the same money as they, they do in the Championship. This is a smack of reality this week uh, for Cali Thistle. They need to wake up. Oh, I'm getting wound up here as well. <laughs> well, it is. it seems all very doom and gloom. And I think we're explaining why that's the case and why that's not a totally ridiculous thing to be based on. But Neil McCann, when he was doing press yesterday, seemed a little bit more optimistic. Maybe not entirely we're going to go and win every game, but he was a bit more positive about things. They're annoyed with themselves because they're letting themselves down. They know as a group with the strength of possess as a group, but it has to be a group thing. You have to go together on the pitch. So the boys will be all fun. But if you've been a good teammate and you're putting the work in for the team, then it's amazing what can be achieved. So, yeah, I've seen a good reaction uh, to training. Training was good today, although light. 
because of the amount of games. As I said the other night there, it's really hard to flog them because they're having to recover and then go again. So I still fully believe in uh, this squad here that is at Inverness is capable of getting results within the league, but nobody hands them to you. So you have to go out, you have to, you have to meet the workload of your position and you have to show that you're better on the evening to get the three points. So I've got full belief in them. It has been really difficult, I have to say. The results have not been what we want. But to be honest, I have to cut them a bit of slack at times given the nature of how many games that we're having to face. But nonetheless, the demand for three points is never, is never reduced or diminished and it will remain that way for tomorrow night. So Neil McCann still believes in them. There's still a demand for three points. Can they actually get three points against, as we said before, a high-flying race team? It's his job to be optimistic. He's not going to come out and say we're daffy ducks. But Carly Fissel have had a good record against Rafe Rovers in the games they played this season. There was a penalty shootout defeat in the League Cup, but they did come from behind uh, to take the lead, and it was only an injured time equaliser, which denied them victory. And then the and arguably their best performance of the season, they did win 2-0 at the Caledonian Stadium. Their record against the top five is not too bad in the championship. They've drawn with Hearts and Dunfermline. They've beaten Rafe Rovers. They lost at Dundee recently, but they did draw with them at Caledonian Stadium. So, you know, it'll be a competitive game. I think they might have the mental edge if they use the previous result as inspiration. But uh, Rafe Rovers are high-flying at the moment. And it will be a difficult game. They will be facing Kai Kennedy, who Kali Fissel know all about, and by all accounts, just continuing his sensational form, Matt Kirkcaldy. But take inspiration from the previous results, because it was a comfortable 2-0 win previously. So it'll be uh, interesting to see if James Keaton actually starts, as he's going to Ray Rovers. Also, he's a top professional. If he's played for Kali Fissel tonight, he'll give his all. It'll be a tough game, but Cali Fissel haven't been thrashed this season. In every game, they've always been competitive. So there's every chance they could get three points, but huge improvements needed, and especially in the defence. That defence needs to tighten up. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things, isn't it? They need to improve all over the park, because how many times have we talked about them creating chances and not taking them as well? I'll just go back to it. Time that's the issue. If they don't win either of these next two games against Wraith, I don't even think two draws are enough for them to stay in the playoff on. You know, that, that deficit they're going to have to make up would probably be in double figures by next weekend if they don't win either of these two games. So they have to win one or two of them. And that's a lot of pressure to be putting on these players who are low in confidence. Like we say, one win in 12. Yes, they've got that result against Wraith in the bank, but it's, it's a big ask, isn't it? I mean, I wouldn't want to bet on what the result's going to be, but there's not many reasons to be optimistic going in. <laughs> No, not especially after the last two games. And even the Dundee game as well the, at Des Park. The first half wasn't great. They came back strongly in the second half. Uh, they actually came back stronger in the second half against Owl Athletic. Um, Shane Sutherland missed a glorious chance to give Cali Fissel the lead. And, and Nikolai Todorov, he is, well, before Morton game, he was two goals in two games. Um, he's got a bit of a, a striker's instinct about him in, in the front of goal. We saw it at the start of the season um, when he did score in the first few games and it was coming back before Tuesday night. So there's hope, but it's a long way off. It is. It is a long way off. 
like I said before, we've been a bit doom and gloom about Inverness, but it's certainly not the case anymore over the bridge at Ross County in Dingwall. It was a huge win for them last weekend against Kilmarnock. And you know what? They haven't lost to Hibs yet this season. Hibs are up in Dingwall tomorrow. Can they make it two in a row? Hibs aren't on the greatest of form themselves, are they? They've lost the last two games. And it's the kind of game that Ross County will be relishing at the moment. Hibs have pretty much third place thrown up. Well, I'm, I'm saying they've got third place thrown up. If, if anyone's seen Aberdeen at the moment, they're not going to catch yeah. Hibs. Hibs might take their foot off the pedal or might be a bit relaxed. But even if they were in good form, Ross County haven't lost to Hibs this season. That game at Easter Road. Hughes' first win. And their record against the top six has been impressive. You know, they've beaten Celtic. They thrashed Aberdeen. We won't go into Livingston, but um, it's still a very good record. And that win against Kilmarnock, that was the kind of games they really needed to go in. That was the kind of matches that will ensure their survival. And under John Hughes, they've started to do that a wee bit. Yes, they lost against Dungeon United uh, and they lost to Mullerwell as well after taking the lead. But they've beaten Hamilton Academical and now they've beaten Kilmarnock. And thanks to that, they're out of the relegation zone. And a bit of daylight between them and Kilmarnock now. Can they beat Hibs on Saturday? Yes, I think they can. I think there is confidence. It's great to see Billy Mackay back on the score sheet. Great to see Leo Hjeldes score after all the controversy with uh, the penalty at St Mirren seven days previously. You've got to take your hat off to John Hughes. He's done a good job. Yeah, I mean, a couple of weeks back, I was asking players all the time, you know, do you feel like you're getting closer to finding that right formula, you know, the right mix to go and get more wins on the board. And of course, the players are always going to say yes. It really looks like they're actually getting closer to that now. And that John Hughes has built a squad and built a team that can go and be competitive against any opponent. And they will fancy their chances against any opponent, regardless of whether that's top half or bottom half. You mentioned the Ojeda there. You know, I wasn't surprised to see him dropped Last weekend against Kilmarnock, he started the game on the bench and he replaced Carl Tremarco after, I think, 20-odd minutes because Tremarco got injured. And the rest of that first half, he did not look at it. I don't know if maybe mentally he just hadn't switched on, if the warm-up hadn't been right, if it was playing left-back instead of centre-back. I have no idea what the issue there was, but he was getting a rollicking from his teammates. So it was all the more pleasing for him, I think, for John Hughes to see him come out and score his first senior goal at the start of the second half. And, you know, actually, I talked to Keith Watson earlier in the week about Hjelda and about the impact that that sort of rollicking from his teammates had actually had. I'm quite vocal on the park anyway, so I just kind of, you know, make sure I just, you know, keep on doing that. You know, I, I, I like, you know, communication on the park and encouraging boys and, I think it's, it's such a big part of the game. I think um, you know it's, it just make, it makes it, it makes the game so much easier when you talk. We've got a mix of you know experienced and and youth in the team, and I think it's a, a really good mix because the older ones you know look out for the younger ones and you know give them advice and stuff like that. And you know I think especially he's obviously he's seventeen year old, you know, and he's he's obviously came onto the game. It's, it's I know how hard it is coming onto a game. Um, you know, it's such a big game, and he was a young boy and. You know, it took it maybe took him, you know, ten, fifteen minutes to to get into the game, um, and I kind of let him know about that. But I, th- I think it, I think it kind of worked because obviously went and scored the goal, and you know, defended really well in the second half. So I mean, I remember when when I was his age and you know making my debut and stuff like that. The, the older ones used to kind of 
you know, get on to me if I wasn't, you know, up to scratch. And that's, you, can, you kind of need that from the other ones because they learn. That's, that, that's how they learn. That's how I did it. And, you know, it, it just shows you that, you know, you got, you got that reaction from them because they went on and had, you know, a really good game. It's mental strength. And, you know, John Hughes talked about it after the game. We had it in Tuesday's Inverness Courier about how important that is. You mentioned Billy Mackay as well. Hughes played a lot of mind games with Billy Mackay in the build-up to the match, telling them he was struggling to find a space in the squad for him. And when Mackay said, all I want to do is play, he was in the start at 11 and went and got two goals. I mean, Mackay's a very streaky player. I think Hughes even said that himself in the press conference before the Hibs match yesterday. If he can get on a run these last few weeks of the season, we've talked about Jordan White, we've talked about Ollie Shaw, Mackay can keep Ross County up if he keeps finding the net. It's good that you mentioned that because before the lockdown, Billy Mackay actually scored uh, four goals in the last five games before um, this season was concluded early. He does have the poacher instinct that's required to survive a relegation battle. But you're right, he can be inconsistent. Not in the championship, he was fantastic in the championship. It was 20 goals before he uh, broke his arm Yeah, when Kenny went up. But in the top flight, it was noticeable he could be on, he could be off. But when he's on, he's such a valuable player to have. And does give options formation-wise, um, what they want to play. Maybe maybe not suited as a lone striker role. Maybe he needs a partner up front. But poachers win points. So if he can get the ball in the box, he's a good man to get it to. And just great to see him get a brace against Kilmarnock. It was just great to see Ross County beat Kilmarnock. I've nothing against Kilmarnock, but to beat a team down there, whereas first half of the season, you didn't see it coming. The difference between the first half of the season and now, Ross County would get to the final third and then would have a brain freeze, seem a bit clueless. You know, what, what do we do now? And more often, it, it ended in the opposition defence managing to collect the ball or a ball going wide. Um, because I think they, at one point it was like three goals in 11 games. But even in games they lose now, or even games where they don't score, they still look like a threat going forward. And maybe that's just John Hughes taking a bit of a more pragmatic approach, being a bit more physical, maybe not so much you know the silky free-flowing football that was maybe Kettlewell tried to do during his time. But I take my heart off to John Hughes. Are they out of danger? No, we are near out of danger yet, but there's certainly a lot more hope in Dingwall than you would have given before the new year. When we started this podcast back in early January, you were basically writing off their chances of getting out of the playoffs. And now if they beat Hibs tomorrow, they can go seven points clear of bottom. Yep, I said if they finished 11th and they won the relegation playoff, that would be good for them. At the same time, I didn't foresee Kilmarnock being as bad as they have. How many games have they lost now in the last 10? Was it nine? In their last 10 they've lost? I would need to double-check that. Apologies to my friends at Kilmarnock um, if I have any left after saying that, if I've got the maths wrong. Hamilton, they are the great survivors, but I look at that team and do I think they're better than Ross County? No, I don't think they are. I think it was always going to be between Ross County and Hamilton for the bottom, but Kilmarnock are just dreadful at the moment. Uh, I know they've got Kyle Lafferty up front. That's a bit of a marquee signing for them. But, I mean, you saw them Kilmarnock on Saturday. Can you see them turning things around? Lafferty is that wild card for them. He He's quality. I know he might not be the most popular in a lot of places in Scotland, but he, he does have that ability to change a game. He very nearly did it against Ross County. That first goal was a bit of class while everybody else around him had stopped. 
he got the second with the penalty and Kelly were really pushing for an equaliser towards the end and you know County I wouldn't say they were lucky to hold on but it was backs against the wall stuff defensively though Kelly were shocking I mean the amount of times County got 20-30 yards into the Kelly half in acres of space there's nobody 10-15 yards around them it was crazy they need to sort that out quickly because if they don't they will go down it's as simple as that you know Lafferty has that ability to change a game but he can't do it on his own every single week against all the teams in the bottom half we were saying they're County could go seven points clear of them tomorrow. Again, that's a long way back. I know in the split, the bottom half all plays each other. A lot can change very quickly. But like I was saying earlier on with Cali Thistle, if the amount of points they need to recoup is higher than the number of games they've got left, seven points in six games is going to be a big, big ask for Kelly. And again, I'll go back to Keith Watson. He and Ross County as a whole, I think, know exactly how important this game tomorrow against Hibs is. There's still seven games to go, you know, so it's, I mean, things can still change. We just need to obviously make sure we take care of our end and, you know, take it game by game and then um, just try and pick up, you know, as many points as possible. We seem to get, you know, a really good result. Like we, we obviously beat Celtic um, and then, you know, we're, we're feel our confidence going into St Mirren and, you know, obviously I think we're a bit unlucky not to take anything away from that game. And, you know, like I say, we've got to come out and get another win. So it's kind of not too sure what it is. Um, but hopefully we can, you know, change that um, on Saturday. It'll be a difficult game against Hibs, but you know we, we definitely fancy our chances, and hopefully we can, you know, make it two wins in the bounce. We know it's our game in hand, so if we pick up a win there, it's another, you know, step closer to, you know, where we want to be. Hamilton's, I think they've got a game in hand as well, so we we just need to make sure that we go out on Saturday and you know take care of our game, and you know hopefully come away with three points. We know it's going to be difficult, but. You know, we know how, how big those three points can be, you know. After that, there's six games to go, one more game before the split, and then, you know, every every game, kind of now, till the end of the season, a bit of a cup final. So, I went on Saturday, really, you know, best of chances. It's great to get that cliche about the cup finals in there again. I think half of the county squad have said that over the last couple of months, but it, it's, it's a big change. Like we were saying, it was very pessimistic just a couple of months ago, and now there's almost an expectation that County can go and get a result against Hibs. It's, it's a huge turnaround for them, and it's great to see. It's great, and it's great for the Highlands. The Highlands needs Premiership football. Um, when the fans come back, it'll be, make such a difference to the economy. I think Hughes is still only contracted until the end of the season, is that right? Yeah. I mean, the job's his if he wants it, if, if Ross County stay up. Um, if he doesn't get an offer from somewhere else. If he doesn't get an offer from somewhere else. A couple of teams looking at the minute. There is. Anyone in particular? <laughs> well, I mean, a few people were saying, I think a couple of weeks after he took over at Ross County and you were starting to see that progress, he would have been perfect for Celtic, actually, if they wanted to get rid of Lennon. That ended up happening a lot later than I think a lot of people expected. And then obviously Aberdeen are now looking for a manager in the summer. So there are jobs out there for him. Maybe those are a bit bigger than most people would associate John Hughes with right now. But the job he's done at County, you'd have to believe he'd do a good job at either of those two as well. I mean, what he did at Cully Fissel, um, even after he left Cully Fissel, it was quite surprising that, uh, that there weren't really clubs, bigger clubs looking around him. Because um, he's had an excellent record as a manager. But yeah, seven points ahead of Kilmarnock. That's got to be a massive incentive going into the game tomorrow. Hamilton there at Livingston. And the great thing is Livingston haven't secured the top six yet. So their foot won't be off the pedal either. They've got a game in hand on St Mirren who are in six. They're one point ahead of them. 
you'd like to think Livingston, you know, will go at the game full pelt against Hamilton and hopefully do a job over there. So if Ross County do beat Hibs and Hamilton lose at Livingston, it's six points ahead of Hamilton. It's seven points ahead of Kilmarnock. And then there's one game left before it, the split. Seven points and six points is a heck of an advantage going into the split. I can see them doing it. You know, it's the kind of games Ross County have been winning this season, so they can do it again. It could prove to be a decisive week for Ross County. I'm going to be in Dingwall for that tomorrow. Will's at Inverness tonight, so make sure you follow us for updates. It'll be up on the Inverness Courier and Russia Journal websites as well. It's potentially a huge week for Ross County. It's also going to be a big couple of weeks for some other clubs around about the Highlands as the lower leagues of Scottish Cup start to come back. There's been a few sort of smaller updates on the fate of lower league football. Uh, Will, you were talking to the North Cali League this week about what the future potentially looks like for them. Yeah, I spoke to the league president, Ian Whitehead. He basically said he can't imagine, although this isn't, I should stress, this is not official at the moment or anything like that, but he can't imagine the North Caledonian League returning until April the 26th when the lockdown is lifted. And even then, if testing is still a requirement for football to return, there's no way clubs at that level can afford to pay for testing. The Highland League clubs have agreed to pay for testing to compete in the Scottish Cup, which was in March 22nd, but even they said it's a lot of money for them to compete. Bucky Fissel said that they would have to look fundraising to pay for the costs. Down County basically asked their squad to think long and hard before making the final decision if they wanted to play in the Scottish Cup or not. The players had a massive desire to do so. Um, so they've decided that they will play against Montrose, but it will come at a huge financial cost. But as for the Highland League, uh, I also spoke to uh, the Secretary, Rod Houston, who basically said PCR testing is not an option for the league to restart. So what does that mean? Because this week, some people might have noticed the West of Scotland Football League, uh, Tier 7, they've basically set a deadline of April 3rd, I think it is. I think matches might be a week or two after that. I think they want to be training by April and matches might be a week or two after that, but I'm not 100% on the exact dates. Yeah, they've set a date, a date in April, definitely anyway, of when they want the league to restart or for training to restart. And if they've not been given the go-ahead on that date to kind of restart again, they're just going to call their season null and void. Doesn't seem to be any of that talk yet with the Highland League or the North Caledonian League. But with League 1 and League 2 restarting, sorry, I'm going back to the Highland League again, what does this mean to the playoffs? Will the playoffs be scrapped again? League 1 and League 2 want to decrease the amount of games they play for the rest of the season, is that right? 18? I think or, the agreement at the minute, I think now, is 18 for them to come back. The clubs want it to be 22. It was originally supposed to be 27. So decreasing, increasing depends when your last update was on that, I suppose. So how are the playoffs going to work this season? It's something we've talked about at length before. Nobody really has the answer to it. I think there is an answer. It's not going to work. And I can see the, the playoff system being scrapped again, which is very harsh in the Highland League, even more harsh in the Lowland League since they're so far into their season. I would expect an announcement to be made shortly. I just can't see how it's going to work. Uh, it's frustrating for them, but there's only one option, I reckon. Well, moving away from football, if we can, there's a little bit more certainty, although it is still tentative, I suppose, to an extent, in Shinty, where they've finally announced a timeline for the sport to return 
which again, especially from the Highlands, is fantastic news. Saturday, June the 5th, they want to start league competitions and cup competitions again, which is fantastic. Shinty was one of the first sports to announce that they would be suspended before the first lockdown. I think football followed hours later. I can't remember if it was how many minutes. I think it could have been minutes rather than hours, but I remember Shinty was the first sport to say all games were going to be cancelled until further notice. We know how important it Shinty is to the Highland communities and uh, the social aspect that it brings. So it's great to see. It, will, it won't be back in its usual form. It won't be the Premiership and the National League. It will be regional competitions. Um, sorry, regional league competitions. There is hope that the Calvinac Cup could come back, even though that will start in a regional form, whereas previously it was just everyone in the hat and God help you. It, it's one sign that sport is starting to return and it's great after all the cancellations that we've had to report on. It's just that thing, isn't it? The light at the end of the tunnel is finally coming for some sports and some clubs. And I think last year before lockdown, there was maybe one or two pre-season friendlies, but that was it. So there's basically been no shinty for about a year and a half. And it's going to be great for all those involved, for especially where it's the lifeblood of some of those communities. It's going to be a really great sign. Just another quick shinty thing. There was also a press release that went out earlier on this week. The Kamen Act Association has reached a new level of accreditation for various equality and diversity um, initiatives they've been doing. So again, just great to see them doing that. <laughs> and it's important to get as many people involved in sport as we can do. And Shinty's obviously doing it pretty well. Yeah. yeah you fancy swinging a common axe yourself? You know what? I never have. So that might be something I have to try at some point. I'll give it a whirl. It's good. But no, I mean, those Shinty clubs, they work so hard in rural areas to promote the game. And Inverness, they do as well. It shouldn't be forgotten, the Inverness Shinty Academy before the lockdown did a great job of promoting the sport within schools. Uh, hundreds of people were taking part. It's about making that jump from junior level into senior level in Inverness. Um, Drew McNeil was doing a great job with that. Once the lockdown is gone, a thing of the past, never to be thought of again, hopefully the sport can continue to thrive in the city. Some people say Shinty's a game of Tutors battering each other. But at junior level, Shinty is a growing sport in Inverness and they were doing such good work. So hopefully that comes back. There have been a few other uh, maybe slightly smaller sports stories. So we'll just rattle through them a bit more quickly now. Uh, there's a piece in this week's papers with Greg Lobbin. We talked about squash a couple of weeks ago. He's looking already looking forward to the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham next year, basically saying that everything he does this year is going to be building towards that. Um, I don't think his place is in any doubt in the Commonwealth Games squad, but well, it's still it's still one of those things that's in his mind. He's one of the top players in the world, you know, barring uh, a, a big injury. Um, him and Alan Klein, Greg Lovins from North Keswick, Alan Klein's from Milwaukee, I should put that out, both played at Inverness Squash Club. They've been among the top uh, 30, 40 players in the world for quite a few years now. There's no one in Scotland that even comes close to what they've achieved in squash. You know, I'll be working hard to secure my place in the Scotland squad. Come on, Greg. You and Alan are miles above anybody else in Scotland. You know, you're going to you're going to Birmingham. Um, but the one thing about the Commonwealth Games is they've never actually won a medal at the Commonwealth Games. They've been world double champions, but they've never actually won a medal at the Commonwealth Games. And for that sport, 
the Commonwealth Games is the biggest prize you can win. So it'd be great to see uh, both Greg and Alan compete uh, in Birmingham uh, and uh, hopefully they can finally get that medal that they want. And the professional squash tour returns later this month. Love is going to be in action in Cairo uh, later on in March. Jamie Dobby, who's another guy we've talked about over the last few weeks, could well be in action a little earlier than we expected. He has been named on the Glasgow Warriors bench for tonight's match, even though he had been named in the Scotland squad earlier on this week. So presumably that means he's not going to make a Scotland debut against Ireland on Sunday. He has, however, been named Player of the Month for the Glasgow Warriors for February. So a bit of good and bad for him over the last few days. <laughs> He's been in great form and he'll be disappointed that uh, he hasn't made the final cut level. He was in the original 35-man squad. Um, it's, it's not unusual for it to be cut to 23 days before the game. It, you know, But he's having a fantastic season in the Pro 14, named Glasgow Warriors Player of the Month. And you know, even though he's not going to play against Ireland on Sunday, he might play against Italy in the final game. It might depend on the result this weekend if Scotland are still in the hunt to win the Six Nations. If, if Scotland beat Ireland on Sunday, Gregor Townsend might go with his strongest 15 or 23 to take on Italy. If Scotland, hopefully, they don't lose against Ireland, Townsend might go for a more experimental uh, team and look to the future and challenge uh, Dobie to see what he can do uh, at international level. But it looks like whether he plays in this Six Nations or not, he will eventually become a Scotland international because the Pro 14, it's a tough league and Glasgow doing well. If it's not the Six Nations, it might be a summer tour that uh, Dobie makes his international debut, but it's not going to be far off. This wee section is basically a list of follow-ups on stuff we've talked about the last few weeks because we talked about squash before and there's the Greg Lobin article. We talked about Jamie Doby before and that obviously has happened this week. But we've also talked golf before about the amateur championships coming to Nairn Dunbar and Nairn Golf Club, I believe. Uh, and, Will, you were talking to Nairn Dunbar about them. Looking forward to that. Previously, I contacted the RNA who are organising the amateur championship uh, just to make sure that the event was still going to go ahead because the Men's Home International at the Royal Dornock was postponed from April and unfortunately the Sutherland Club had decided not to hold the event in September. But near Dunbar Golf Club, uh, I spoke to Kieran McLean. Preparations are going ahead as normal. They're trying to work out the manpower that they're going to require and they think it's going to be a huge boost to the town. Um, and hopefully that restrictions will be lifted uh, in June. That will even allow fans to come um, visit Nairn. And uh, it'll, it would be, it's already going to be a good boost to the economy. 288 players are going to be playing at that tournament. That's going to be around the time that the hotels and the businesses, as well as the golf course itself, is going to make so, so much money. It's one of the biggest amateur golf events in, in the world. It'd be great to see it in the Highlands. It'd be great to report on as well. But it's just great to see here so much optimism that they think it can go ahead. Still a long way to go. It's only March. The Men's Home International at Dornick was supposed to be held in April and it was only cancelled a few weeks ago. So that could be a last minute, well, not a last minute decision, but a decision made a few weeks before it's supposed to be held that they think, you know, we're going to have to call this off and hold it at another date. But they're optimistic. I'm optimistic. Let's hope it can go ahead. Yeah, we'll all be keeping our fingers crossed over the next week while that there won't be any issues with that. 
I think that just about leads me time for a quick wraparound, my usual wraparound of what's happening in some of the other papers that we haven't discussed as in depth. The big news in the John Groat Journal was actually, well, the North Cali stuff that we discussed earlier. So there's not a huge amount more to go into there. But at the Northern Scott, Archie McPhee has re-signed for Elgin City on loan from Fermartin. It's his fourth spell at Burbriggs as they are preparing and back in training for the League Two run-in. And there's also uh, quite a good wee story from Aberlour Villa, who are raising funds for a new clubhouse. So if you're interested in that, interested in helping them out, go and check out the Northern Scott. I'm sure it'll be online as well for all the details on how to do that. Wells, any other story caught your eye this week that we haven't really touched on? Um, the, no, the, 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 biggest, the big issue for me has been the, the acceptance of Cali Fissile players that they do seem to be in a relegation battle now. It's kind of hit them in the face. I think they were quite confident that they were always going to get out of the trouble they were with the games they had in hand, and it's just not worked out for them. It's just a real worry. And hopefully they can turn things around tonight against Ray Fulbers, and hopefully in the last few games, it, you know, it settle for table obscurity. Um, I think with current form at the moment, if they finished eighth, I think they'd be happy just securing championship football next season. But let's hope they can manage a bit more than that. So, like I said earlier, Will is going to be at that match between Inverness and Wraith Rovers tonight. I'm going to be at Ross County Hibs tomorrow. I think all that's left to do is for us to wrap up. So, as usual, go and buy a paper, support local journalism. It's, it's probably more important now than it ever has been after about a year in the pandemic, because that has been a full year now, which is crazy to think about. But in the meantime, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at balls underscore whistles. You can email us at balls and whistles at hnmedia.co.uk. Will, you were laughing there. What's up? No, I've just... Uh, <laughs> You've interrupted me now. What's happening? Saturday, Saturday is 12 months ago when sport started to be suspended. It was only supposed to last three weeks. Originally. You know, I, I just looked back at that and it, I laughed, but, you know, it's a really serious issue. Nobody ever saw this coming. Yeah, I mean, people think this is the stuff you write in movies. No one ever thought it would be possible that a pandemic would just cripple the world as it is. But we're getting our jobs. So, well, I'm, I've not had my letter through yet. I don't know if you've had your letter through yet. No, not for a while, I don't think. It's sad to think. Just it, It's been horrible. You, you go to football grounds and there's no fans. It's not enjoyable. It's off. I'm ending on a sad note here. It's a poignant note. But the light's at the end of the tunnel. Keep smiling, folks. Happy days are coming. Certainly none of us could have predicted the last year 12 months ago. Who knows what the next 12 months will hold? Who even knows what the next seven days will hold? All that I know for sure is that we'll be back next week to discuss what does happen. Thank you for listening. I've been Andrew Henderson. Tune in next time. Bye.